Chapter 23 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23 The Pawnbroker Mabel had some time since decided upon the place to which she would go when the hour arrived for disposing of her watch. The store of her selection was upon Clark Street, and at such times as she found herself in its neighborhood, she had passed by it and gazed with interest into the window or door, perhaps even halting a while at the former, comforting herself with the belief that by making herself so well acquainted with the place, there would be little embarrassment in visiting it on business. Notwithstanding all these preludes, however, when the hour of positive action arrived, she found herself timid and agitated in the extreme, and when she actually got to the store, such a trembling came over her that she saw she should never accomplish her object in the confidence and composure she believed necessary. Passing slowly by the door, she looked in. Through the glass, she perceived the proprietor of the store engaged with a customer, and seeing it was no time for her to enter, she passed on. Having gone the length of a square or two, she turned and began to retrace her steps. A young gentleman was approaching at no great distance and it appeared to her he was regarding her with more than ordinary attention. As they neared and passed each other, she became satisfied this was the case, and she was both annoyed and embarrassed by the scrutiny he bestowed upon her. Her mind was too deeply set on the business she had at hand, however, to retain thought of this after the stranger had gone by, and she proceeded again to the pawnbroker's, taking a look through the glass in passing, as she had done before. The visitor was still there, and she passed on to the window, thinking to remain there a while, or even to stay till she should find the proprietor alone. But few persons were passing, and she therefore felt comparatively little concern as to attracting attention. With her heart painfully beating, she gazed abstractedly upon the various articles of jewelry and other matters on exhibition, feeling so little disposition to move away that she believed she would remain were it a half-hour, till she should see the wished-for coming forth of the persevering visitor. How long she waited she could not tell. It seemed to her a very long time. But still he did not come, and discomposed by several persons who ranged themselves beside her at the window, Mabel moved off, and turned the corner to while away a longer time. About fifty feet around the other street, she found herself face to face with the young gentleman she had before met. This time, he not only attentively regarded her, but touched his hat as to an acquaintance. Mabel slightly returned the salutation, with a faint remembrance of his features as she hurried past. The next moment, she found him again at her side, and accosting her. "'I see, Miss Ross, you scarcely recognize me,' he said. "'My name is Barrett, Ralph Barrett.' Mabel bowed again. She now remembered this young Ralph Barrett, though she had been in his company but a very few times. His father was the man, by endorsing for whom, Mr. Ross had brought to poverty his wife and children. "'I knew you in a moment, Miss Ross,' continued young Ralph, "'though it has been over two years since we met. I have no right to expect you to remember me, however,' with a sidelong glance at the beautiful face beside him since, in remembering me, you must remember so much which it would be well had never happened. 
Mabel was surprised both at the words and the tone in which they were spoken. Such entire want of feeling for the affliction of her family had been shown by the parents of the young man that she was unprepared for this evidence of it in himself. Her few words of reply were so constrained, however, that her companion could not but perceive that his presence was unwelcome and embarrassing. Mabel's eyes were upon her own well-worn boots and coarse dress, and these formed so strong a contrast to the shining apparel of young Ralph that she felt herself strangely out of place beside him. A consciousness, too, of the errand on which she was bent made her feel yet more uncomfortably than she otherwise would have done. A very few words more passed between them, and Mabel then bade him a hurried adieu and turned back to the pawnbroker's. The store was now, to all appearance, empty, and Mabel unhesitatingly went in. She had glanced once or twice about her and taken her stand at the counter, before she perceived a man sitting behind it. The seat on which he rested being so low that the top of his head and his eyes only were above the counter. The appearance of the man was not one to inspire confidence or ease, and Mabel felt embarrassed as to how she should open her business with him. She produced her little box, and having opened it, laid it upon the counter, her heart beating so violently that she could scarcely breathe. The man gave a sharp look at her, then arose and took the watch from the box, and examined it carefully both within and without. "'How much you want on this watch?' he asked, fixing his sharp eye a second time upon the young girl. "'As much as I can get. I am in great need of the money.' or I wouldn't think of parting with my watch. Another sharp look. I will give fifteen dollar on it. Mabel's heart seemed suddenly to have ceased beating and became a weight in her breast. The amount named was less by a half than she had looked to get, and as in the brief moment of her silence her thoughts summed up the various present necessities to be covered and the early future ones unprovided for, she arrived at the terrible conclusion that, could she make no better bargain than the one offered her, she would in a very few weeks be again at her last dollar. Oh, give me more than that! In a sort of desperation, she cried. It is a valuable watch. I know my father gave more than one hundred dollars for it, and I need money so much. Can't you let me have twenty, twenty-five? The man smiled or rather distorted his features in a manner intended for a smile, then rejoined, "'That too much entirely. Fifteen is all I can say. The watch is an old watch and need repair. Fifteen is very much for it.' Mabel was about assuring him that it was not five years since the watch was purchased, and that it must be in good condition, as it kept excellent time when a voice beside her interrupted to say, "'Let me speak to you one minute, Miss Ross.' It was Mr. Ralph Barrett, who had entered the store very soon after herself, and heard what passed between her and the pawnbroker. Mabel looked for a moment upon the face that expressed so much kindly interest, then took up the watch and retired with young Ralph to the step of the store. "'Excuse me, Miss Ross, I followed you in,' he hastily said, I thought there was something like this, and knowing you must be quite inexperienced, I wished to guard you from imposition. Your father's watch. 
and a look of deep pity came over the speaker's handsome features. If I could but persuade you to let me be the holder of it. Twenty-five dollars was the sum you named. I would be happy to place it at your disposal. The watch is as safe with me as with this man. May I not say safer? Mabel's heart gave a great bound. The sound of twenty-five dollars was sweet to her. She was almost overpowered to find it so unexpectedly within her reach, after her crushing disappointment of a few minutes before. While he spoke, her eyes had been fixed upon those of young Barrett, and she felt that a grateful look had come into her own, a look which expressed her happy relief and her faith in his kindly feeling. Still, she hesitated. Young Ralph was so much a stranger to her. Was it altogether right to accept this service at his hands? He evidently read her thought, for he hastened to say, "'Remember the peculiar circumstances of the case, Miss Ross, the indebtedness of our family, your own misfortunes.' Mabel looked up again. "'You are kind,' she said, "'and my necessities are great.' She was about to place the box with the watch in his hand, when a trifling circumstance caused her to pause. It was a very trifling circumstance, merely a suspicion of a smile which turned the corners of Mr. Ralph's lip. But, slight as it was, it changed the whole current of Mabel's thoughts and feelings. "'I thank you,' she said rather coldly. She feared too much so. "'But since I must part with the watch, I prefer to do it in the way I proposed.' She moved to re-enter the store. Pray reflect again, Miss Ross. This man takes undue advantage of you. You suffer yourself to be imposed upon. To be open to imposition is one of the misfortunes attending poverty, Mr. Barrett, Mabel rejoined, a little bitterness in her tone, and with these words she returned to the store. She did not know if young Ralph had departed. She only knew he did not again follow her in and she laid the box once more open upon the counter. "'You will take the fifteen dollar, said the pawnbroker, again taking out the watch, and again examining it. "'Yes, if you will give me no more. But I know it is very little for a watch like that.' "'It is good deal. More nor another would give.' And he began to count out the money. I can't tell. I have no time to inquire further, said Mabel. I will take your offer. The sum named was given her, and also a little red ticket, with a number on it corresponding with one he fastened upon the watch, and Mabel left the store. She left it with such different feelings than she had gone in. She was no longer agitated and trembling, but calmly self-possessed. She was, indeed, carrying home with her but half the sum she had expected to receive, but she was grateful for this, little as it was, grateful because she had gotten it in a way that laid her open to no unlooked-for embarrassment, grateful that she escaped what might have been a great evil. Poverty was bitter. To part with the watch, so precious to her as the legacy of her mother, was one of the bitter parts of her poverty. But she seemed to recognize at this minute, more fully than she had ever yet done, how much bitterer evils there were to contend with than these.
End of chapter 23